Welcome back to the podcast. Michael Grant here, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International, right here in Columbus, Georgia. I've got a new series for you. It's entitled, Know What You're Saying. I'm excited to share it with you, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So grab your Bible, get ready to take great notes, and let's dive into the Word together in this year of the Spoken Word. So God has been teaching us this month that we must know in this year of the spoken word, we must know what we're saying. We must know what we're saying. And today I'd like to, to continue the conversation uh, dealing with knowing what knowing means. In the first week, God blessed us with helping us to understand that knowing means to have a familiarity with the content or the context of what God is saying, framing our world around his word, which is spiritual law. And then last week, he took us to an understanding that knowing means to uh, to develop relationship through quality time spent. And so uh, uh, this week, we continue to move forward with the conversation from a posture that knowing means to have confidence. Somebody say knowing means to have confidence. There's something about a confident person. That's just, it separates them from your normal status quo. It's just something about being able to be confident in who you are, being confident in what you've been called to do, being confident in your preparation for an assignment or your preparedness for an assignment that has been laid before you. Nudge somebody and say, I'm different when I'm confident. Yeah, it's, it's hard for you to beat me when I'm confident. Now, you, you might get me when I don't know what I'm dealing with, but when I, when I know what I know, my mom used to say it this way, when I know that I know that I know that I know. Yeah, it, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for you to, to knock somebody down when they are confident, when they have <clears throat> three phases there, when they have an assurance, when they have a certainty, when they are, when they trust the fact that they're prepared, that they're ready, that they know exactly what it's time for them to do, what their assignment is, and they're ready to move forward. You, you, you just can't top somebody in that posture. Uh, I long for the day when all believers know that they know that they know that they know uh, because I think oftentimes some of the reasons that we shrink back or some of the reasons that we draw back I won't go back to 2019's message concerning coming back to faith from draw back to come back but I believe some of the reasons that we draw back as believers is because we're not confident but I love what John said in 1 John chapter 5. Let's go there as a starting point. 1 John chapter 5. I want to scroll through verses 14, excuse me, verses 13 through 15 with a focus on verse number, verse number 14. John says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Any believers in the name of the Son of God in here today? Well, that means he's writing this to you. He says that ye may know. Somebody say no. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. One of the most 
uh, disturbing, I'll almost call it an oxymoron, if you will, something that doesn't make sense for it to be a reality, is that there are believers who are concerned or who don't, who are not sure or who are not confident in the fact that eternal life belongs to them. That we're disturbed or we're concerned that we're going to do something bad from between now and to when Jesus comes back or when the, from between now and when it's time for us to be called home, that's going to mess this whole thing up. Well, if you truly gave your life to Jesus Christ, you ought to be confident. But there are things that come. I'm not making you feel bad if you've ever been down that, that, that trek because sometimes the enemy tries to throw those seeds of doubt. But we ought to have an assurance. We, and I love Paul, uh, John writing this letter. This is a general letter, which means it's available to any and every believer who was a hero or a reader thereof. He says this letter was written to give you an assurance or to confirm to you, to settle you in the fact that what God has said about you is true. This is the same John that said as many many as are born of God to them they are sons of God so if you're a son or a daughter of God then your home is not this land the place that he has prepared for you is an eternal place and so you ought to have no doubt somebody say I'm confident I'm confident that God got me. I'm confident that even as I'm growing in my journey, as I'm growing in my faith, as I'm as I'm uh, uh, developing my walk with him, that even though I don't do everything right, that he don't have me under a microscope trying to find a way to keep me out of heaven. Heaven is settle it now. Be confident. And I'm a, can I can I ask your pastor to settle you? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and if you are allowing him to be Lord of your life, even if sometimes you fail your Lord, please don't let that make you feel like that you're not going to be with him in eternity. He's too powerful of a God to not be able to look past your faults and see your needs. I know I'm in the Bible Belt, and I know I'm in a religious arena, but I'm here to tell you that I don't serve a religious God. I serve a God of relationship. I serve a God who loves me. I serve a God that loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, not whoever did right, but whosoever believed in it wouldn't perish, but would have... And so John is pinning this. He says, I'm writing this to you. Anyone who believes on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. Somebody say that you can know. That word, oh, I didn't hear you say it, that you can know. That word know there speaks of having a certainty. Being, having a confidence in the fact of, because I believe in the Son of God, I am promised eternal life. It's a guarantee. It's just like an insurance policy. Anytime that whatever is written in those clauses of that insurance policy arises in your home, your auto, your motorcycle, whatever it is, if it happens, there's an assurance policy that's set in place that I got to get my payback for that. So, so if, you, if you are a son, if you're a believer in the son of God, stop doubting. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you truly have relationship with him, that don't mean you know him as you don't. That doesn't mean that you know as much about him as the preacher does, but you know him as intimately as the preacher does. Hello. That means that your your eternity is sure so you can live life free from worry, free from distress concerning eternity. Somebody say, I have a certainty. And then he went on to verse 14. He said, and this is the confidence. This is the what? Come on, read that for yourself. Ready? Read. And this is. Uh-huh. We have. We have. Stop. We have. We possess this. I'm not reaching for confidence. I have confidence. I'm not trying to become more confident. I possess confidence by mere fact of my existence as a son of God. 
See, that's why we got to shift from just trying to serve God and we got to shift into a posture of just being who God has called us to be. I, feel, I hear a little ring in this microphone. Can y'all hear it? Can y'all hear it? Maybe that's just me. Y'all work on it a little bit, guys. But somebody say, be confident. Don't try to be confident. Be confident. When you are, when you know who God is and when you know that you are a son of God, be confident. Possess confidence. And this is the confidence that we have in him. What does he say? That if we keep reading, what happens? Listen, you got a direct line to God. You got a direct line to God. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care if you feel like God heard you or not. You have a confidence in knowing that as a son of God, as a blood-bought believer, Jesus didn't hang, bled, and die so that Jesus, so that the Father might hear you. No, he gave his life so that you could have a confidence of knowing when I pray, God hears my prayers. Whether I fast long enough, whether I pray hard enough, regardless of what approach I take, if I am a believer, God hears my prayers. So don't you allow the enemy to think that just because you failed God last week that you got to do 10 Hail Marys and you got to throw, throw all kind of holy water across your shoulder to get you in back relationship with God. Old Testament says if you make your bed in hell, I never leave you. I never forsake you. I didn't give my life. See, that's the problem. We approach God like we approach other people. And if other people do us wrong, we write them off like they ain't got no value no more. God ain't God like that. God is not like man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should have to repent. If he said that he got you, then he got you. The only way that he won't got you is that you keep him from gotten you by turning your back on him. But if you'll just keep pressing towards the mark for the prize of a high calling that's in Christ Jesus, when you pray, he hears your prayers. That ought to get you excited right there. Somebody say, God hears my prayers. Yeah, God hears your prayers. He hears your prayers. Listen, this is not a license to sin. I believe we ought to live upright. I believe we ought to pursue righteousness. But sometimes life gets the better of us and we fail. But even in those moments of failure, my Bible says, in our weakness, he's made strong. I'm just trying to encourage you and let you know to have confidence in the fact that God has got your back. He hears your prayer. This is the confidence that I have in him. Since I'm a believer, since I believe in the son of God, I never seen Jesus with my natural eyes, but I believe that he's the son of God. And since I have that kind of undeniable faith, God will not deny me from having an audience with him. Paul said, now we become, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we might obtain help. Grace to help in the time of need. Anybody ever felt like you were in need? You needed God. You needed to see God. You were in a situation where you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what the answer was. Well, that's when I need you, God. God, that's when I need you. And that's when I need to see you at your best. Somebody say, that's my confidence. And it gets better. He keeps on pinning. He says uh, that he hears us, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask. Watch, watch. It gets even gooder and gooder. Now, now, now watch. Now, verse, verse 14, he said, if you ask according to his will. <laughs> but there's another level of confidence that said, whatever you ask, you might be asking things that ain't even in his will, but he at least going to hear you out because you his son. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me in him. Listen, 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 listen. Let me help you. Let me help you. He said, wait a minute. No, you wait a minute. Let me help you understand. I 
understand God's posture as a father. And sometimes the posture of a father is, I know before you ask me that I ain't going to give you what you asking me for, but for mere sake of relationship, I'm still going to hear you out. Listen, listen, God ain't trying to shut you down and say, don't you ask me that, that ain't in my will. Sometimes a good father just sit down and let his babies talk to him. Is there anybody who sometimes you don't want nothing from God, you just want to spend a little time with him, you just want him to hear your voice. Well, you do it to your friends all the time. You just want to vent a little bit, don't you? You just want to tell somebody how your day went. Ladies, you know how I feel you had a long, hard day. The reason you like that joker is because he like to listen to you. He just hears you out. He ain't even trying to fix your problem or answer it. He just hearing you out. That's the good, good father we have. He ain't trying to answer all of our questions and fix all of our situations. We have relationship with him and you have this confidence of knowing that whatever you ask, he at least going to hear you out. Somebody ought to celebrate that. Somebody say, I got an audience with God. I got an audience with God. But watch this. It gets even better. We also have us an intercessor seated on the right hand side of the father that when we ask or miss, he fix it for us and he gives us what we need despite what we want. Somebody say, any way you flice it, any way you fix it. I got confidence. Any way you want to, any way you want to slice it, I got confidence. Confidence. There's power in confidence. Saints, that has to be our posture in this modern day and age. We have to know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Why? Because that's, that's the promise he's made to us. He's made that available to us. And so we have to, we have to posture ourselves to be strong, to be confident, to be, to, to, to be certain about the truth, to have an assurance to trust in him. Listen, listen, listen. And when it comes to comes to confidence, we don't want to become cocky, though. We want to make sure that we Romans 12 and three is a very unique passage of scripture. And I'm going to have to end, end it here. Hopefully this will encourage you. Maybe if I go real fast, I can get another nugget into you. But somebody say, I'm confident. Yeah, if you don't get nothing else out of the day, when you go home and when you pray about whatever situation you face and you know you know God hears you. You're confident in that. Even if you don't know what the solution is going to be, I'm confident he heard me. And if he hears me, he's going to give me what I'm asking for. Even if what I'm asking for is off, he'll fix it and give me and make it right. But there's a, there's a thin line between confidence and arrogance. Paul tells the church of Rome, he tells them in chapter 12, verse number 3, that I, he says, uh, that we should not think more highly of ourselves. Romans 12 and 3. He says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, for, the, for him not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think what? Sobriety is something that we need in this, in this present day and age. There's too many drinking, too many people drinking the spiked Kool-Aid, the proverbial spiked Kool-Aid in this present day and age that think that just because they exist, they are entitled to everything. You met them before. You met them before. Some of them live in your house. Some of them look back at you in the mirror when you stand up in the morning. But there's a thin line between being confident in God and being cocky, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Paul teaches, he said, listen now, you have some value 
But calm down is what he's saying. And then somebody say, look at your neighbor and say, calm down. Calm down. Yeah, he says, calm down. Why? Because we ought to think soberly. Watch this. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, we talked about that measure of faith. The focus is not the measure of faith, but the fact that there is a measurement, which means you only get a part. You see it? You see it? You get a piece. You get a piece. You get all God's children get a piece. And now for you to assume that because you have a peace that you're better than any other peace holder. Now you find yourself walking over in error. We find that all throughout the church when, when, and, and I, you know, I teach this because it's important for us to say sober in this posture, but you can't just be just because you have a title in the kingdom. That does not give you a greater level of posture or a greater level of relationship or even a greater level of confidence in the kingdom of God. Truth be told, that's just a greater responsibility. And to whom much is given. So you ought to humble yourself. <laughs> you ought not get cocky. No, you ought to say, no, I need, I, I need, you, you ought to be kind of reverse of that. Lord, I need you more. I need to, I need to pray more than the mother folk praying. I need to humble myself more than the mother folk praying because when they see me in the limelight, I might get beside myself. Yeah, that's why you got to watch when promotion. Why am I doing this? Because God spoke to me. I was, I was laying at this altar praying last Tuesday and God specifically told me that he's about to promote this church. He's about to elevate us. He's about to take us to a higher place of notoriety and our value is going to increase. You ought to be excited about this. He's going to, as a, as a body and as an organization, he's about to put us on the map in a way that we've not been known before. Listen to me. Mark my words. Now, this ain't what I came up with. This is what God said. But the reason for it is so that he can be glorified, but he has to glorify us so that he can be glorified even greater in the earth can you hear me and yet when glorification comes you can't poke your chest out you ever you ever seen those people who they good and they win and they act like everybody didn't know that they were good so they had to remind everybody that they're good you, we, you don't like those type of people do you and it's not that you don't like them as a person but you don't like you don't like that calm down we knew you were good I mean, you're the best one. You're the best one on the basketball court. You're the best one on the football. You're the smartest one in the class. Why you got to flaunt, talk, you know, flaunt it? Well, if you don't like it, how much more is it to God? What if God just went around, chest poked out? Jesus said, I... I count it not robbery to be equal to God, but to lower myself in the form of a servant. The Bible says, Jesus further said that if anyone was going to be great in the kingdom, that he must humble himself in the likeness of a child. God just don't like cockiness. So if he doesn't like it, we shouldn't like it either. So that's just a self-check. That's just a reminder. That's just a nugget to nudge in the right way. Because the reality of it is, even if you have a big piece, if you have a big portion concerning your gifting, your ability, let's go there for, 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 for the sake of time. And I have, like I said, I have to close here. But in Romans chapter 3, verse, chapter 12, verse number 3, we see the full context of the conversation is lending to the fact that there is many members but there is, there are many members, but there is one body. Chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me. See, I love Paul's humility. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you this because I'm the best. 
You know, I'm telling you this because God has graced me. He points back to God. He says, God has gifted me. I'm confident not in myself and in my own ability. Truth be told, we talked we this before, that he said, I count all of my good things as dung just to know them. Didn't we teach that last week? If you want to evaluate all of my accomplishments, I could brag, but I don't. In comparison to God's and my confidence in God, it's as dung. It's, it's equivalent to nothing. It has no value. He says, and so I come to you, I say this unto you according to the grace that God has given me, uh, that every man ought to think not of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think what? Soberly according as God has dealt to every man a measure, the measure of faith. Verse 4 says, for as we have many members in, in one body, all the members have not the same office. Could, did you catch his message there? He's saying, I know you're good, but you ain't all that. Now listen, I know I'm talking to people who've been beat down a good portion of their lives. I know I'm talking to people who have, you know, been told they won't be anything. And now you've come into a reality that you have purpose and you have value. And, and, and God is showing you that you are accepted in the beloved and you are a gift of honor. But you can't be an extremist concerning your value. You, can, you can't come from being told you are nothing, you have no value, and you're the same person now. And all of a sudden, you done got in God, and now you all the way over here acting like Lucifer. Nudge your neighbor say, be sober. God is a God of balance. God is a God of balance. Find yourself right in the balance of the middle where it says, if I, I'm not what I used to be and I'm not what I ought to be, but in God, I'm exactly where he wants me to be. Huh? Huh? Because the reality is when we start becoming cocky, when we start becoming arrogant, when we slip over into that place, and I don't know why I'm dealing with this. I, well, I guess it's because of the promotion that's up and coming. Get ready, Faith Worship Center. When our international assignment begins to take its course yet again, Please don't start acting snobby like you better than somebody because you've been here since however long. Because there's one thing the Bible says that comes before the fall. It's a guarantee. There's one thing that comes before the fall, and that is pride. Let me finish this and so I can get you guys out of here. Somebody say, I'm confident. Say, I'm not cocky, a cocky, but I'm confident. So verse five says, we being many are one in the in uh, one body in Christ and every everyone members of one another. There it is. There it is. There it is, man. OK, there it is. If your heart is for the fact that you're connected to somebody else, you refuse to mishandle them because of your value. Can you see it? So that means what was it? What is that saying? That means you need to know your limitations. That means you need to know your limitations. Now, limitations is a statement that we don't like in the church, right? We don't like those because we, we think limitation means restrictions. It, we think it means uh, uh, prohibiting us from reaching our full selves. I'd rather defer and, and, and share with you that limitations are protection. And limitation also produces dependency in a, in a positive light. Because truth be told, I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not good at everything. Some things, if you ask me, you know, am I good at it? I tell you, that, that just ain't my, that just not my thing. 
We were, I was joking with uh, one of my brothers. We were talking about uh, tutoring children and how they need some assistance with their schoolwork. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell you, I ain't the one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. And that's, what's crazy was I used to be a youth pastor. But my grace is up for that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just being honest. My thoughts are, was you not in class when the teacher was teaching? So I'm just telling you, don't send your child to me if they're struggling with some subject. Because this is what they're going to get. What your teacher last told you? <laughs> Was you not paying attention? With the te- Where your notes at? I ain't got nothing. That's the problem right there. You don't pay attention. <laughs> now look, look. Watch this. Watch y'all. The thought in the room is, shame on you, Pastor Mike. You shall have more patience. I had patience with you when you were telling me about your issue. I had patience with you when we had a meeting and we sat for hours on hours and I just listened. Because I'm, listen, no, because I'm graced for that. But if your child come in and ask me about some homework, where your notes at? See, you you act sorry. That's what you act right there. You got the internet, you got the book, and you don't know nothing. You borderline stupid now. You borderline (laughs) What's my point? That's my limit. I feel it in the room. Shame on you. Okay, come up here and preach it. This is shame on me. Come and do what I do. Can I sit by you, Miss Tracy, please? Yeah. It'll be more shame on you than it is on me trying to tutor that child. Why? Why? Because we all have limitations. I mean, listen, oh, I got to be nice with this. But y'all remember, and I got to I gotta close. But y'all remember when, um, bless his heart, and yeah, we, we cover him in the blood of Jesus. But y'all remember when Israel Holden wrote that song, Take No Limits. No Limits, No Boundaries. And y'all remember when Tony came out with the project Out the Box. If not, now listen. Good music. Had us excited about the body. And I think the heart of it was that we're not bound into bond. But anytime you start saying no limits, no boundaries, the next thing that happened to Israel, and I, I'm covering the blood, he cheated on it. He had sex with another woman and he cheated on his wife, lost his wife. And now he, he done married to some other young lady that's, that's probably half his age. And I'm not knocking you, fella. If you can get your one half your age, go on to get it. But I, I you know. That's a lot of woman to deal with with that great of a difference. Anyway, praise, praise the Lord. And then, Tony, after out the box, absolutely lost his mind. Am I lying? Because it's just something about limitations. There's just, there's a good side. And we like to think outside the box. I love what Dr. Parsons said. Dr. Parsons said, how you going to think outside the box before you understand what's in the box? You got to, when it comes to thinking outside of the box in any industry, the reason you get outside of the box is because you have fully maximized all of the options that are within the box. I'm just going to think outside the box. Okay. Well, have we, if, if you're outside of the box thinking is not with reference to the in the box structure, then what happens is you cause catastrophe outside of the box that the inside of the box can't contain. Well, this is better than we listen to here now. I'm telling you now. So, 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 and here's why. Close my book. Here's why Paul says 
in Romans 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You don't get to be lawless. Anywhere you go, there's a law. Because God's word is spiritual law. So that word, that's why you must be willing to govern yourself according to limitations. Limitations are, are good for you. Listen. The God who created all things is your limit. Catch that. So when we're talking about no limits, you know, we, we don't have to have no limits because our limitation is virtually limitless. So, so you for sure don't want to take the limits off because he is the limit. And if he ain't in it, then we're wasting our time. This is the confidence that we have in him. Not cockiness, but confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything in his will and even whatsoever we ask, he heareth us and he gives us the petition of our prayers. Wow, what a message. What a word, man. I just love God's word. It's so empowering, so impactful. It causes us to be exactly what God wants us to be. I hope you enjoyed that message. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to catch us via our live stream, you can do so by going to our website, www.michaelgrantministries.net, on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or Tuesdays at 7.15 p.m., both Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, I pray that you stay strong in your faith and in all that God is speaking in your life, you have exactly what you say.